0: New Faith. We're going to talk about celebration. So hopefully you've kind of got the gist of what we've gone over, uh, as I've mentioned that several times this morning. So let me talk about what we're going to do this next month and kind of set the stage as we look forward to the next few weeks. Uh, Here we are, you know, the first Sunday of January in 2019. This is awesome to think. Man, it's already 2019. The year flies by. And as we've been talking about, it's a great time to, to turn the page and to look to new things, to start new things. And that's exactly what we're going to do here at faith, you know, a good follower of Jesus is a growing follower of Jesus. That means we don't stay the same. Things we are continually changing, being challenged to grow more and more to be like Him, and that's going to make, it's going to challenge us. It's going to change us in certain ways, and so it's important to to do that because I think if you don't grow, if you're not looking for opportunities to grow and be more like Him, you're going to get stagnant. It's going to be, this, you're going to have a life that's kind of like, ah. Uh, or you're gonna fall back into bad habits. You gotta continually be growing to be more like him. And so we are called by him to move ever onward, ever forward, never backward, ever forward. And so that onward call requires us to change and grow individually, and for everybody as a church, corporately. It's not just about what you do in your change, what I do in mine, but it's about how our changes do affect everybody else. You ever notice that? You ever notice if you have a really, you're having a really good week, right? And you come into a room and somebody has having a really not so good week, right? Now, right? That totally changes the dynamic, right? Either you're going to influence them or they're going to influence you, right? So if you're changing and growing to be more like Jesus, it's going to change and affect others in this room and vice versa. And so we have an opportunity here in 2018 to keep moving forward as God calls us to do. So on the 27th of this month, the last Sunday, we're going to discuss... 2019 holds for us as a church some new things we're going to start but before we get too far ahead of ourselves i think it's important to look back and look at what we are founded on what's our foundation what's the the basics look like i was uh, even more poignantly reminded of that whenever I was uh, in here yesterday. We were doing the chairs, and before we started re- refurbishing these chairs, which looked great, thank you all for all who helped, and there'll be another round coming to help if you didn't get a chance to. we got about 18 more left or 19. There'll be plenty more opportunity for you to do that. But as we were doing that, I walked outside, and I looked on the front step and realized half our church fell off in the middle of the night, right? The front of the church was in, and just completely fell apart. And I was thinking, man, that's so appropriate to that message because as we start something new, we have to make sure that the foundations, the, the, the basics are taken care of, right? And so while we're not going to do, I'm not going to put a, 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 any kind of masonry in your hands and help us go patch that up together right now, uh, I am going to look at the basics of what our faith is here. Why do we build on? All right, what do we build on? What are we about as a church? Because the thing that's important because if you don't remember or if you don't recall why we're here then you're just going to come out of habit and then eventually the habit falls out and you just don't come anymore you have to know about what we're about why we're about it and who we're here for and so we're going to look back over the next three weeks over some basic values of what makes faith church faith church now for those who are going through basic training or will next week you'll get these a full 10 that the the values that we have here we're going to focus on three one the next three weeks first is celebration all right we're doing that today next is service and then is generosity and then on the 27th, we take a look forward after we take this look back the next three weeks. So, of all these three values, every, every one we're going to cover the next three weeks, we have to look at what the basic, 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 basic thing these are all built on, which is Jesus. That is the cornerstone. That is the foundation of our faith. And so, it's important that we look back to Jesus as our cornerstone to make sure we understand why we celebrate, why we serve, why we are generous. So we're going to look at Ephesians 2, 19 through 21 to get our uh, foothold this morning. And we're going to build on that as we go forward tonight so, or this morning. So let's look at Ephesians 2, 19 through 21, where Paul says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. All right, so here we go. The cornerstone, the cornerstone of any building, any building is the critical support that ensures the whole thing remains stable. Now, we can lose the outside of the church building, right? The stuff can fall off. As long as the cornerstone, as long as the foundations are solid, we can fix the rest, right? That happens in our lives too, doesn't it? Things can be falling apart all around you. You you could be failing on your diet plan for the new year. You could be struggling with that exercise regime you've been trying to do. You could be uh, having all sorts of issues in your life. You could be failing at dealing with your anger and anxiety and things like that. All those things could be happening. But if your cornerstone, if your foundation of your faith is solid, then the rest can be fixed. You have to have the cornerstone first, though. And that's what Paul is saying here. You've got to have this here. and Without Jesus, we don't have anything. I want to be perfectly clear this morning that without Jesus, our faith, this church, everything that we're about falls apart. All right? We're not a social club, so just coming together to have fun and sing and dance, you could do that anywhere. We're not about that. We're about Jesus. And without him, we don't have anything else. Now, when speaking to the church in Corinth, another church he helped found, Paul says this, for I decided to know nothing among you except Christ Jesus and him crucified. I don't know what the buzz is. I'm sorry about the buzz. We'll try to work through it. Paul was determined to not even attempt to try to save them with fancy speeches. He says, I only know Jesus and I know him crucified and the rest of this stuff, I'm not even going to try. He says, I'm not going to try to give you fancy speeches. I'm not going to give you great rhetorical flourishes. He didn't bring a production team in to set up a great stage and to make it look good. He didn't bring a light show. He didn't bring a great singer to move their hearts. He said, I only know one thing, all right? I'm a one-trick pony, but it's the greatest pony on earth. I know Jesus and him crucified, and that's it. That's it. Without Jesus and his work on the cross, our faith, what we're doing here, what we do in our personal lives is meaningless. That's the bottom line. We could sing the best songs. You could sing the best songs in the whole world, but without Christ as the focus, it'd be like singing a love song to an imaginary friend. We could do great acts. I mean, we could do some awesome community service projects, right? I'm a member of a couple of different groups in town that that try to do some community projects. We worked on a park over the summer and some different things in town, and all that's great. But if all we did was doing great community service acts, All we'd really be doing is like making someone's jail cell a little more comfortable and then leaving the door locked. That's what we're doing. You could come here and you could listen to me every single week. But without Christ, the best I could give you was just some tidbits of information that may make your life a little easier now, maybe. Or I could pump you full of sunshine like a good episode of Oprah, right? I could be up here, yes, you get a car and you get a car and we could do all that and that'd be great and you go home feeling great and then You got to pay the taxes on the car. And, you know, see, it all catches up with you. I could pump you full of emotional feel-goodism. I could give you information that may make your life a little easier in the interim, but that's not going to help us in the long term. We don't need more information. We don't need more emotional feel-goodism. We need transformation. That's what we need. And without Christ, you don't have it. It is in Christ and in Christ alone that we find our meaning and our purpose. It is by his life, his death, his resurrection that we have good news to share. And Paul phrases it this way. I'm not going to, read, I'm going to read all of it. You're only going to see a little bit of it. Ephesians 2, 1 through 7, Paul writes this. He says, And you, meaning all of us and the people who you're writing to, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that is now in work in the sons of disobedience, among whom all we once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So what Paul is saying here is that you, and we all were, were people who wanted only what we wanted, right? We didn't know the best things in life. We pursued the things we thought were gonna bring us happiness. We pursued the things that we thought we needed. But, verse four says, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even though we were dead in our trespasses, has made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. That's the gospel. That's the good news. But God. But God is the gospel. Because without him intervening in our lives, we would be suffering and not even realize it. That's the good news. Paul offered the people of Ephesus the only thing they truly needed, which was this. You know, the world says the way to peace and the way to happiness is to find the thing that pleases you the most and get as much of that thing as you can, right? Look at any commercial, look at anything in this world. I guarantee you that was, they'll say, that is the way to true peace and happiness. That's the way you're gonna feel the best about yourself is you think about the one thing you really want and try to get as much of that as you can. It happens with money. It happens with power. It happens with authority. It happens with women or men, relationships, right? It happens with those things, with children. It happens with everything. The one thing that you find the most pleasure in life, the world says, grab it, get it all here, hold it as close as you can. And then when you think you got enough, go get more. That's what the world says, right? It does. It says that. It says, come on, get it. The, the one with the most toys at the end of the game wins, right? That's what the world says. And we willingly, we willingly blind ourselves, don't we? Everybody seen that movie Bird Box on Netflix? Anybody seen it? All right, a couple of people. All right, that's okay if you haven't seen it. You know, want, a lot of people have, a lot of people haven't. All right, Bird Box, right? So they have to blind themselves because if, if they see the, the, the enemy around them, they'll be, they'll be taken or driven to their death, right? So they're going to be led to die, right? So we're like a character in, in, in Bird Box, really. We're, we blind ourselves. We think that we need this cover over us to pursue the happiness in our lives, to, to find the, the, the way to, to security in our lives. But what it's actually doing is actually preventing us from obtaining true peace and joy. We're not, we're not succeeding in life by putting on the blinders and saying, oh, well, I think there may be something good over here, I don't know, but I'm going to keep my eyes covered up. I'm going to keep doing what I've been doing because I think that's the way to true peace and true happiness and true security. What the gospel says, what the gospel says, is that God sees us walking. He sees us blindfolded to our death as we walk along, as we're barely scrapping through, as we just have to do whatever we can to survive in this life. And he sees us blindfolded and he says, no. He steps in the path and he says, wake up. He says, wake up, take off the blindfold. You don't have to live like that. I'm gonna step in the path of death and sin and the things in your life that will prevent you from obtaining true peace and joy and happiness. And I will stand here in the gap, so that you can take off the blindfold, so that you can see the path to true happiness, to true joy, to true celebration, so you can come out of your stupor and turn to the way, the truth, and the life, and you can truly go home in freedom and joy. He takes and casts off the things that would come against us and says, Go! I'm here. I am here to rescue you. That is our God. That is the good good news. We who have been accepted by Christ and who have accepted him have been raised to life and charged with a renewed spirit for a new purpose. You don't come to be saved. God doesn't save you to sit in your mess anymore, right? He didn't save you and say, okay, now I got you saved. You just sit here and wait till I come back. He says, no. Not only have I given you new life, I've given you a new plan. I've given you a new purpose. You have a new way to go. Don't keep doing the same old thing because it's not going to get you any better results. Go this way and see what happens. Follow me and watch life change happen, transformation happen. When we accept Christ, we have that renewed purpose full of eternal meaning. It's no longer about how much we can get for ourselves, but how much I can give to someone else how much I can bless someone else, how much I can serve someone else, how much I can celebrate in my life because what God has done for me. And yes, it means we're going to go through trials. Yes, that means there's going to be temptations. Yes, that means there's going to be hard times. But that means I know that I know that I know that my foundation is secure. I know where I'm going. I know the path that I'm on. And I know who's helping me get there. I no longer have to worry and wait and while things come against me that bring me anxiety or bring me trouble or bring me trial i can say this is just for a time i know that in eternity i have a god who has rescued me and has put me on the path for a full purpose and meaning in life we serve others because he first served us and calls us to do the same we love others even even especially the unlovable right especially the unlovable, because he first loved us. We forgive the unforgivable because he forgave us. We seek the outcast. We seek the stranger. We seek the widow. We seek the orphan. We seek the brokenhearted, the blind, the lame, the ones caught in cycles of sin and shame and generational pain, even the stubborn and even the most prideful because Christ sought us first. That's why we're here. And we sing because... Through song, we can express the gratitude that his mercy and his grace invokes. I love the phrase. It's 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 not specifically in the Bible, but the the motion of it is there, that we've placed on the sign outside, that there are no strangers or outsiders, either way you want to phrase it, to the love of God. That is the good news of Jesus. There's no one too far gone there is no one lost that he cannot find. And that He is actively pursuing us with his love. And he sent Christ to die for us so that we could sing great songs of mercy and gratitude and say, praise you, Jesus, that we are no longer walking blindfolded through life, but set free to pursue true life and peace and happiness. We should celebrate that good news. Romans 15, 9 says that as it's written, therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. Because the good news of our rescuing king, should move us to unspeakable joy and of celebration. Paul told the church at Philippi, he says this in Philippians 4.4, 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Always. Now that's a lot harder than it sounds, right? Oh, rejoice in the Lord always. Woo, all right, rejoice. And then you get, you know, you get the bill that comes on your, on, your, on your table tomorrow morning that says you owe you know, $5,000. and Well, I can't pay that. Rejoice in the Lord always. Why? Because it's not about what's in front of you at the moment. It's about knowing what's ahead, knowing what's to come, knowing that you have that joy and that peace that's overwhelming. That's why we rejoice in the Lord always. That's exactly what the Ethiopian eunuch did. If you read through the book of Acts, and I encourage you to do that. In Acts chapter 8, Philip, this, this guy who, who'd heard about Jesus, he's telling other people about Jesus, right? Let's break it down pretty simple. So he's telling the, this, this gospel, this good news from Philip to this Ethiopian eunuch who happens to be riding along. And so he's going to this Ethiopian eunuch and he's preaching the gospel to him. He says, here's why Christ came. Here's why this is important. And here's how it affects you. Here's how your life can be changed because of it. And the Ethiopian eunuch accepted it. And verse 39 says, he went on his way rejoicing. His life had been irrevocably changed. It's been marked different than ever before. He rejoiced because of that experience. And joy and celebration are Mark's of those who have been redeemed by Christ. If you have accepted Christ before, you should be joyful. You should have that unspeakable peace in your mind in your heart. You should celebrate every opportunity you get. Even the ones where it seems like it's impossible to celebrate. I love through Acts, you see so many stories, this this incredible stories of these people of faith, even in prison, even when they were locked up, not because they they broke a law of like they stole something or anything like that just because they acknowledged that Jesus was Lord. They were thrown in prison. And even in prison there, they sang songs because they knew it didn't matter if the chains were bound around them then. They knew they were free forever because of what he had done for them. That's rejoicing in the Lord always. There are marks on us who follow Christ to be unspeakably joyful, now, the purpose of our gathering for, for this Sunday morning experience is to remember, is to rejoice the day that Jesus was resurrected. Right, Miss Jane? We're talking about during the song Celebrate. In our break song, we're talking about how this is the, this is the day we're going to celebrate, right? Now, I don't know if we're going to get to heaven and sing Cool in the Gang," Maybe we will. I don't know. But, you know, we're going to celebrate, right? And that's what we're going to do here this morning. And I was watching Wizard of Oz with my kids a couple of weeks ago. Everybody, has everybody kind of seen that movie? At least one time, at least parts of it. It's an old classic, right? Everybody's kind of boo for some people I know. Right? <laughs> boo and best. It's kind of one of those other. Nobody's like, eh, it's all right. It's either really good or really bad. Wizard of Oz. So I was watching it with the kids, and I think it's the first time they've really seen it all the way through. Hey, the sun. Praise you, Jesus. All right. <clears throat> I know. <laughs> 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 uh, so wizard of oz you remember the wizard of oz in the beginning it's all black and white right and then dorothy is in this tornado and she gets caught up and she comes down in the big house and it lands on the witch right the wicked witch of the east i think anyway i don't remember exactly but it lands on the witch and it lands on the witch in the middle of munchkin land right and as soon as she gets out of the house and she wakes up and all these munchkins are gathered around her they look and they see the witch is dead and what do they do Yay! They start, they rejoice. That's right. They start singing. They say, what does it say? Ding dong, the witch is dead, a wicked witch, right? Yeah? All right. We could sing that if you wanted to. I don't know. I'm not very good at carrying that tune. But anyway, so they sing Ding dong, the witch is dead. They were celebrating, right? The enemy that had been in their life, the one that had been constantly the threat over them, they couldn't truly live, had been gone, removed forever by this big house that fell on them from out of the sky, right? And they celebrated Dorothy coming. Oh, thank you, Dorothy. You've killed the witch. How awesome was that day in their lives? We celebrate because through the resurrection, Christ defeated death and hell. He defeated, he defeated the wicked witch in our lives, right? And those who believe in him have life abundantly now and life everlasting in heaven. You know, whenever I think about it, I can't stop smiling, right? Because I know that as bad as it is now, there are days when I don't want to even wake up in the morning. There's days when I'm like, man, could this get any worse? But I know, I know. I have joy unspeakable, not because of what I see in front of me, because I know what I have. I know what Christ has done for me on the cross. I know what Calvary has done. I know what my cornerstone is. We celebrate that. We do so looking forward as well. As we look back to the cross and we say, thank you, Jesus, for the Calvary. Thank you for dying for me. We look forward to say, oh man, how awesome is it going to be, what we're going to be able to do in heaven. I love Revelation in seven, chapter 19, verses 6 and 7, and it's an awesome awesome picture. I can't imagine actually be able to see this. We'll, we'll get it one day. Revelation 19, 6 and 7 says this, Then I heard what seemed to be of the voice of a great multitude, a lot of people, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, hallelujah! For the Lord our God the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. Now I don't know if you've ever got that excited about anything in your life before, right? I don't know if you've ever have been so excited. I've been in a couple of of sports stadiums. I'm a huge Florida State fan. I've been to quite a few games and I've been around these awesome experiences, good times and bad. Right? I've been in visiting stadiums. I've been to Raleigh, and this one game was horrible. I'm not going to go into the details, but we lost. But while we were there, the crowd, it was, it was so packed. The place was packed out, standing room only. It was intense because it was right down to the last minute. The team was driving down the field, driving down the field, and the home team, not, not Florida State. And they were, they were moving towards the touchdown, and as soon as they hit it with like a minute left, the place went, Whoa! it was like nothing I'd ever heard. 60,000 people just, Whoa! right? Just the sound reverberating in your ear. And I hated that sound because that meant that I lost and they won. But it was still that sound, right? That great multitude. That's what John is hearing here. The great multitude of people. Hallelujah. Just whoosh. You ever been in the ocean? You ever started getting closer to the ocean? Even driving your car, roll the window down. And sometimes you can hear the waves. Whoosh. Whoosh, right? And then you get there, and sometimes it's really big waves. You know, like standing on the beach. Maybe there's a hurricane coming, and all you can hear is just whoosh, whoosh There's nothing else, just wind and waves surrounding you, right? The great multitude. That's what it's going to be like. When you think about, oh, man, the music's loud this morning. Get ready, <laughs> right? It's going to be even louder that day. When you think about, man, I don't know why these people are dancing. Get ready, because it's going to be that way that day, Right? Hallelujah, for the Lord, our God, the Almighty reigns. That's what it's all about. That's what we celebrate. Now, it's because of that celebration we're looking forward to. It's because of that celebration we've looked back on that we've that's one of our primary values that our Sunday experiences are built on. That's why we do the majority of what we do. If you ever wonder, well, why are we doing it this way? We're celebrating, all right? We're celebrating. That's what we're going to do. Now, what were your first memories of a church as a kid? I want you to talk back to me for just a minute. What were your first memories of church as a kid? Or what was your impression, if you didn't go to church, what was your impression uh, that you got from those who, who did go to church? What do they tell you it was like? All right, you can go ahead and talk. Just think. Sit down, sit down, don't move. Sit down shut up, and don't move, all right? All right? That's good. Anything else? Any other, Any other besides that? It was too, too, too solemn too serious. Yeah, right? That's the picture that most of us had at. And if you, if you grew up in church as a small child, or again, if you heard somebody talking about, man, church was, how was church? Yeah, <laughs> It was what it was, right? You went, that's because you had to. It was probably stuffy, right? It was probably rigid, right? It was probably boring. Oh my goodness, it was probably boring. I've been to so many boring services. You know, I don't, I, the expression bored to tears, right? Because you're doing, oh, yeah. Yeah, that, I've been there a lot of times, right, because of church. Because most of our church services were based on hundreds of years of solemn church tradition. Church was serious business, right? Serious stuff, serious stuff, right? And while there's a place for solemnness and there's a place for reverence, and we have worship nights here occasionally. we have tried to do them as often as we can, but have worship nights occasionally. We have live music, and there's a place where you get to in worship where it gets quiet. And it should, right? Because we're coming closer and closer to a holy God, and that should frighten us a bit and cause us to pause and to to, to reflect a little bit and to shy away. There's a place for that. But what you commonly find when you read what's in here, right? Don't just go on tradition. Don't just go on, well, this is the way we've always done it. What you commonly find when you read what's in here is joy. Is rejoicing. Is celebration. Is a feast. Is a party. Get the get the fo- get the food ready. Right. The marriage of the land has come. What do you do when people get married? And you have a big reception afterwards. Right. And you have a party. Or we have before. You eat before a wedding. Right. At the, at the uh, rehearsal dinner and you eat after at the reception, and then you're snacking in between. I mean, it's just all sorts of food going on. Even more so way back when, and during Jesus' time, a marriage feast was huge. You didn't just have a little party. You were laying everything out on the table. You were killing the best of everything you got. You were roasting it up. You were getting the best wine. You were having a party, all right? You were going all out, right? That's the marriage supper that we're looking forward to, that we see in Revelation. That's what we see, a joy, a feast, a party. King David says in Psalm 122, verse one, he says, I was glad now to compare that to what your experience may have been. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. All right. That's what he said. He didn't say, well, I was obedient when they said I had to go. So I went. All right. So I was glad when they said, let's go. Not because of who he was going to be around, but because of who he knew he was worshiping. That's why he was glad because he knew what that meant. He knew that God reigned in his life, over his kingdom, over his place. That's what it means for us too. And it's that attitude that marks every single thing we do here at Faith. The music we play before, the music we play after the experience is upbeat and uplifting most of the time, right? The music we sing together is loud, all right? It's loud, all right? I I thought about bringing earplugs in one day. Maybe we will, but I have not yet. But it's loud. It's got a good beat. It's usually something you can clap to if you want to clap. It's something to dance to if you want to dance. It's something you can even raise your hands to, as we saw the Tim Hawkins video. At whatever level you're at, you know, you could be anywhere of those, right? You could do any of that. The break song, like today, is something you typically kind of, you know, bob your head along with, something you can move to. But celebration doesn't just mark our music. although It does. That's a big influencer. So you're wondering why, why we sing those songs? That's why we're celebrating, right? But it doesn't just mark our music. It even influences how we interact with one another, how you're greeted at the door, hopefully. And we've, we've, if you find that's not the experience, we can help you with that. It should be something with a smile, should be greeted and helpful and encouraging to come in. To Even in the spring, whenever we get the weather warms back up and we defrost a little more, right, more consistently, we're probably going to put some cornhole boards out there. We can toss the cornhole before and after church. I don't care. We're going to celebrate. We're going to have a party inside and out, you know, right? That's why we freely share refreshments. That's why we have great food in the morning and drinks to be able to, to loosen ourselves up to celebrate. Even hanging out and sharing life with each other before and after. That's celebrating, right? It's at least sharing. Say, hey man, I've been going through a hard time. Well, let me lift you up. Let me do my best to encourage you, right? We're celebrating our life together. It's one of the chief criteria I use when I make decisions about nearly everything that we do. Because not only is celebration a proper response to the gospel, That's how you should feel whenever you get Jesus, but it's also an effective tool in spreading it. We want to create an environment where you can invite someone who has never been to church, and once they come, they'll leave either knowing why we celebrate or ask why. That's what we're doing. We want people to leave here saying, those people know how to party and have a good reason for it, right? I want what they're having. I want what they're having. That's what faith is all about. It's about living. It's about celebrating. It's about sharing the good news of Jesus. That's it. That's it. So how does this impact you personally as we wrap it up? First of all, it doesn't happen without you. Okay? I could pick out or someone else. We could do the best music, right? We could have the best songs. I could bring in thousands of dollars of sound equipment and the best light show and panel. I could do everything up real big. But if I'm the only one here, that's not a party, is it? Well, it may be, but it's kind of a sad one, right? So it's not really a party. Have you ever been there? Ever been invited to a party and you get there and you realize you're the only one that showed up? Oh, I know. Isn't that dull? That's no. It's like wait a minute. Maybe you, kind of, you stop at the door and realize, oh no. I'm the only one here. <laughs> and then it's like, all right. Yeah, that's right, guys. Uh, I think I had something to do, right? I got to go, all right? We've been there. I've done that. And maybe even worse, even worse than feeling bad when you walk in and you're alone on there, right, is hosting a party and nobody shows up. Isn't that horrible? You, put, you get everything laid out. You invite 50 people. You put out the, some awesome food. You, you have some whatever you're rocking. You get everything set up for a party and nobody shows up. Or, like, just your family shows up, right? It's just like your brother or sister comes over and, like, like they, and they hang out because they feel bad for you. They're not actually there to party, right? That, uh, that's not fun, right? People make parties, right? People make the parties. You ever been there? You ever been to a party and looked around and seen all the people that are there? You have all sorts, right? You got the social butterflies who are ready as soon as they step through the door, they're ready to talk to everybody and they're floating around, they're they're engaged immediately. They're just ready to jump in full full tilt, right? And then you got your wallflowers, they show up and they come in like, Hey. Right. And they kind of do this and they kinda hang out. They got it, they're trying to look cool, right? They're just like, Yeah, what's up? Right? And they don't do anything. They just stand there. They just stand there the whole time. Thinking thinking they're they're just being there is good enough, I guess. I don't know, right? And you got that one guy or girl, don't you? You got the one guy or the girl that's, that's the life of the party. They go so full tilt into it that they've gone too far, right? <laughs> they, they go way far past the, the social social acceptability. They're way into it. They're, they're doing everything outrageous. They're dancing the hardest. They're dancing the loudest. They're singing the off key, the worst. It's all bad, right? But they're, they're having a great time. Nobody else might, but they're having a great time, right? And then you have that one person everybody wants to talk to. Yeah, you got that guy or gal. Everybody wants to congregate around. They love that guy or person. All right. Each one of you, when you go to a party, bring something different to the party. All right. You bring something different. You each bring an undeniable, unique personality and gifting when you come. And each one of you are greatly missed when you aren't here because you make the party. You make it. Not just me, not the mood. You make the party. Now, What's just as important as attending the party is taking it with you. Because our personal lives should be marked with celebration and joy because of the work of Christ in us. So it shouldn't just be, oh, come here. You should. Yes, because without you, the party didn't happen. Sunday morning parties don't happen, right? You don't get that. But if you don't take that joy with you whenever you leave, if you don't go home, if you come here and say, woo, yeah, we're having a great time, party, yeah, awesome, and then you go home and you go... <laughs> What would you do at church today? I don't know. You're just saying something. Preacher talked forever. I was ready for him to shut up like 20 minutes ago. Right. If you just do that, and you don't have that joy when you go home, not because of what we've done here, but because of who we're celebrating here, then nobody's going to want to come back with you. They're <laughs> like, well, I don't want to go to that place. That's horrible, right? And it should. It should mark you. It should mark you with that celebration and joy because of what God has done, not because of what I've done, not because of the music we've sang, not because of the conversations you're going to have after, because of what Christ has done for us. So here are two questions for you to take home this week. One, I think i got a slide for it if we click to that one, Jane. One, is your life marked by the joy of Christ? And are you celebrating because of him? Is your life marked by the joy of Christ, and are you celebrating because of him? You say, wow, Pastor, my whole week's been horrible. I've, I've, had, I've done some crazy things this week, things I shouldn't have done, or i got some pressures on me you wouldn't believe. I, I don't have time for joy. Maybe that means you had not spent enough time with Jesus. I don't know. I don't know personally. I mean, I can't tell you, but that's an evaluation you might need to make. Say, wow, I don't, man, I don't know. Rejoice in the Lord always. It's not easy. But it's what we should do. So is your, is your life marked by the joy of Christ? Two, can others see that joy in your life? I'm, I'm a pretty, when I'm not here doing this, I'm a pretty quiet guy. I like to kind of keep to myself, right? I like my home, and I like what I do in my home, and I like to keep it there, and it's all nice, safe little cocoon, right? And I, I don't like express myself a whole lot, all right? Unless I'm talking about Jesus or Florida State football, I kind of keep it quiet, all right? That's my two things. After the other than that, I'm kind of here, right? But can others see that joy in your life? Are you keeping Christ so bottled up, keeping it to yourself, or are you letting it out? And it takes time and practice, but are you letting it out every once in a while and say, man, why are you so happy? You know what? Why, you got bills like I do. Man, you got a life messed up like I do. You got, you got kids running around being crazy like I do. Why are you smiling today? <laughs> why, why are you, how can you make it today? because I know, I know who my cornerstone is. I know why I'm celebrating. Can others see that joy in your life? So I I challenge you to take those two questions with you this week. Chew on them, process them, go to God with them. If you haven't been marked by joy, ask them why not. If others can't see your joy, ask them why not. Find out because we should be celebrating. We should be celebrating.